0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast, a Radio.com sports original. <laughs> And welcome to episode number seven of Baldy's Breakdowns. The countdown to the NFL draft continues, and we have a special episode for you. A great conversation with Charles Davis coming up in just mere moments. But first, the guy that I do the show with every week. I love it. He, uh, he sweats football. He uh, hmm. eats pigskin. Baldy, how you doing? Uh,
2: Jason, I- I'm doing great. Uh, I- I've been just grinding and working here and, uh, you know, making the calls around the league. And I've got my charts here. You know, and I just keep kind of filling them in on the backgrounds of some of these players and what I'm learning about some of them. And and so, you know, I'm looking at a chart here, offense and defense of over 150 players. I feel like uh, I'm going uh, in some ways a little bit blind here, going over this over and over and over again. But I'm having a good time doing it because it's it's kind of past passing these hours and times that we're all trying to do it. But I feel like this is the. I feel like because of the circumstances we're in, this is the best prepared I've ever been for an NFL draft.
1: Well, it's a labor of love for you. And a lot of people are hooked up on, you know, Tiger King on Netflix, but you're you're the draft king. And we'll talk to Charles Davis in a moment as we get ready for the NFL draft. Uh, Baldy, uh, things are heating up and the draft is is right around the corner. Uh, Are you getting a sense for – how this is going to kind of play out with, you know, the remote drafting and, you know, networks coming together and all this stuff.
2: I, I do. I mean, I, I still think there's like anything, like preparation always tries to look ahead and fix the glitches in advance. And so I think there'll be a lot of, a lot of practices, a lot of trials amongst individual teams. And then amongst the dual networks of ESPN and the NFL Network that are broadcasting, um, you know, this, this draft starting next Thursday uh, at 8 o'clock on, on, on ESPN. So I think that's all getting worked out. But I think that in a, it, it's going to be different from this standpoint, Jason. I, I think teams will be content to keep the ball in play, hit a bunch of singles and doubles off the wall try, rather than trying to hit home runs. They they just don't have enough medical on a lot of these players. They just don't – you know, I just don't think we'll see the number of trades while the draft is going on uh, that we have come to sort of really enjoy over the last few years. I think whatever trades might get done might get done the night before because it's just going to be too blind uh, once this thing gets started. And the clock is going to go by really fast and tick really fast. But I do have a feeling – and, and I've said this, one other thing, Jason, I, I feel in some ways, and this might be just me thinking, and I might be completely wrong on this, but I think for the first time in a long, long time, general managers and, and personnel people are going to draft more off the tape than they do off the analytics, the, the measurables, the pro days, and, and what they glean from individual workouts or contact. Because of the circumstances, and I think that's going to be a good thing. I think when you watch these players over one, two, three years, you're going to get what you need to know, and that's what you're going to draft these players off of, and I think the teams that know how to do that and rely on that are going to draft well.
1: Yeah, the football guys are going to, this is their kind of draft, Baldy. It is, uh, they're going to draft guys based on how they played football, not how they did standing broad jumps and other uh, different things for sure. Sure. Well, let's get our guest here. One of the really good guys in football and and covering this sport and been doing it a long time, Baldy, a good friend of yours. He joins us right now on Baldy's Breakdowns, Charles Davis. How you doing, Charles?
3: Hey, I'm doing well. You know, we're all battling it in some shape or form. My only hope is that, you know, we're all okay. We're all healthy. Families are healthy. And those who are battling it, I hope that they get well real soon and have a chance to recover. And how about those first responders? I mean, that's just off the charts what they're doing.
2: I, I kind of like want to just jump ahead to that day, Charles, when you're in a stadium and I'm in a stadium and of actually coming together probably for the first time uh, in, yes. many, in many instances in a football stadium, what that, you know, what that feeling is going to be like. We're all going to kind of look around and, and we're just going to hug the closest person. We can find maybe.
3: Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it, Brian. And, you know, I, I always shudder with comparisons, right? You know how it is when you make a comparison about something and it, yeah you're doing it in the most positive way. And then somebody comes back around and hit you over the head with it with a baseball yeah. bat. But yeah. what you just said there and what you expressed, you know, the relief that we're back together that we can mingle in big groups again, that we can enjoy our sports without feeling guilty about it or wondering, should we be doing it? That's the day we're all longing for. And in a, in a way, think about 9-11 and yeah. tragedy, horrific. This feels different because you're not having pictures Of buildings falling, right, and planes Mm -hmm, crashing into them, and things of that nature. But it's still tragedy. It's still horrific. Ask anyone who's had a loved one that they've lost, and you can't even say goodbye. You know, when when they get sick and you take them to the hospital, they stop you at the door. You know, people. You know, I remember the George Clooney in the movie Up in the Air. You know, he, he made a, a flip reference about, you know, you know people dying and what have you and, you know, being alone. And he said, and, and the line was, make no mistake about it. We all die alone. Well, in a movie like that, you're thinking, no, that's really not true because I'm going to surround my love. You know, if we can, we'll be around our loved ones, right, and holding their hands yeah. as they pass over. But in this case, he was right. That's what's what we, that's what we have going on here. So the reason I bring up 9-11 is when we came back into those stadiums. Right, and when we came yep. back in the World Series, and our Commander in Chief, our President George W. George W. Bush threw that first pitch. Remember that? No, oh, yeah. remember how the country nice felt? Car. Oh yeah, I mean, shoot, he, he had some movement going, didn't he? <laughs> like W. Yeah, he did. <laughs> you know, he kind of he kind of looked like Kevin Klein when he played Dave. Remember when he first stayed the President and he oh, went yeah. out and done the first pitch and he threw that sucker center cut, man. So it's the same thing in terms of that. Now. I'm trying. You know, I said comparison, what have you? But I think Brian, it's apt in terms of what you're talking about. That's the day we're looking for, where we can all be together and have that community again. And that means that we have beaten this thing, and we're not all carrying it and not possibly spreading it.
2: Well, me- meanwhile, Charles, we're going to have a draft in nine days, and we're <laughs> going to be self quarantined. We're going to be isolated. It's going to be different, look different, sound different, and. I'm not sure yet that anybody knows just how we're going to pull it off, but the NFL is uh, got a lot of smart people. We're going to pull this off. So, and I know uh, you know, there, like you said, Charles, people are going to hit you over the head with any kind of comment you make about being positive. But I, I get the feeling, Charles, I think you do too, that fans can't wait for this draft. They they can't wait to be in their bunker and to listen to you and DJ and Rich Eisen and Trey Wingo and whoever, and all the people that are out there um, kind of go through this thing for starting, you know, April 23rd, next Thursday night. And, and so with that in mind, Charles, what can you kind of give us a little glimpse of what, how you think this is going to get pulled off and, and maybe where some of the, some of the things that might be different this year might go, whether it's trades that might have to be done the night before, Like, where do you think, where are you at with how this thing is gonna get pulled off?
3: Yeah, that's a great one, Brian. And and you're right about the appetite for it. I believe. I think when this thing first started, guys, didn't you all hear from different friends people, whether they were in sports or not, that said, Hey, we gotta slow down all the sports stuff, right? It's kinda of tone deaf to talk about contracts during this time frame. I, I think we all heard that. But to me, from what I've seen, and it's not because we're in it, but I just it's just been real. That was never the issue. Fans fans still wanted to know about free agency. Fans still wanted to know about the draft process. When a player signed for $100 million, everyone said, yeah, they were going to do that anyway. Okay, what's next for us? Did he come to my team or not? And I will bet that on your Baldi's breakdowns, I bet you've seen an uptick in, in, in people watching them and traffic there because people are thirsting for all of this. So I think you're exactly right. So here's how I think it's going to be pulled off. It's going to be an ESPN-driven draft, okay? Mm-hmm. NFL Network is closed down. Baldu, I can't remember. When was the last time you had to go to L.A., right? When was the last time they let you go to L.A.? Okay? Because, so, so, so they've been shuttered since what, about mid-March? I know yeah. Fox, Fox Studios in L.A. have been shuttered since then. Yeah. Um, NFL Films, didn't they shutter somewhere around mid-March yeah. as well we in New Jersey? We,
2: we, we shut down uh, a little over three weeks ago.
3: Okay, so so they're shut down in New Jersey, so you can't get in there. The crazy thing is every night we watch the governor of New York, so that's ground zero essentially, right? It feels like yeah, it. Yeah. New Jersey's shuttered. New York is shuttered. Connecticut, ESPN's open. So I'm not making a judgment. I'm not making a value on it. It's just that mm-hmm. quirk allows ESPN to drive this draft. So they're going to drive it. My understanding is there are going to be three people from NFL Network who will work the draft on ESPN's air with mm-hmm. them, and that will be Daniel Jeremiah, the top, the top draft guy for NFL Network. It will be Kurt Warner, their Hall of Fame quarterback, and I've heard it's going to be Michael Irvin. Okay, I, I don't know how, that, you know how that kicked in, but probably because it's such a receiver-rich draft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they wanted someone to talk receivers. I believe Rich Eisen, who normally hosts draft cover straps on network, is going to be on Zoom and do a phenomenal job hosting sports personalities, entertainment personalities and other people, and drive the efforts to raise money to battle COVID-19 so okay. as, you, as you as you know him guys, and Brian, you especially know him, that's where Rich is All. Okay, that's that's right in Rich's wheelhouse. Okay, if he's not going to host the draft itself, yeah, out. this is just let him go. And in terms of you know doing it for a good cause, like he does with the Run Rich Run for St. Jude's, so that's how that's going to go. So ESPN have their personalities on ESPN. It'll be the normal people I would imagine that we're used to seeing. Obviously, that'd be Mel. That'll be Trey Wingo hosting. Um, that'll be. Um, Lewis Riddick and I believe Booker McFarland on day one, and then over on ABC to be kind of the game, the uh, college football game day crew, Herbie, Desmond, Reese Davis, David Pollock, and I believe Todd McShay is going to sit with them the first couple of days. So that's how that's going to go. And NFL Network will not be on air during the draft. There may be some shoulder programming you know, some pre-draft stuff where they hook up with people from their home camps, but that's going to be, the, that's going to be the crew that's going to bring you the draft DJ will be there all three days. I would imagine Kurt and Michael, uh, Brian, would be be round one, be first night, and then I don't know that we'll see them again. And I think DJ will be with all the rest of the guys, and, of course, everyone is coming at it from different places. I think ESPN will have all their guys there safely distanced from each other, and I think DJ will be at home, you know, from his home camp doing the entire draft that way.
1: Okay, that's what I understand. Uh, CD, throw this now curveball in of doing it remotely. So where can the pitfalls lie in this unique draft?
3: Well, I'm going to bring Brian in with me on this, okay, Brian, because okay. from what I from what I see and from what I hear, if you don't have all of your stuff lined up ahead of time, you know, we always talk mm-hmm. about in games, and, you know, three of us all do games, right? So how many times have we heard a coach tell you that fourth and two? Yeah, we, we decided that on Wednesday. Because if we got in that situation, we decide we're going to go for it. Because you want to take the emotion out, and you don't want to yeah. overthink it. You want to feel like you've got it and you go. So that's where I think the, the the GMs and these teams, if you have any hesitancy at all, I think that's where your pitfall is going to be. Because you're trying to, you know, during a draft process, Brian, I tell you, they're at that table. And in those 10 minutes, if there's two guys that are on their board that they really like, that's when the debate ensues again. But remember, the debate has already happened. Now you're rehashing it. Which way you're going to go? So if you're a club that doesn't have a real clear defined philosophy, we're going to take the highest rated player, or we're going to go position of need if it's equal. If you don't have that ahead of time, and now you're squirming and you're fighting and you're doing, remember you're not right there next to each other. <laughs> There's a delay. That guy's that guy's that guy's screen went down on you. Now you can't reach him by his cell phone. You you know, and, and then all of a sudden ah. Mm. I I can't remember how many years ago it was where we're, who who was it that got passed up Brian in the draft that that didn't get their pick in on time. Remember that they don't get their pick in on time and they get passed. Now, yeah. you could very well lose the player you want in that process. We could have that again, although I get the sense there's going to be more leeway if there's anything that goes wrong technologically. Now, if everything's fine and you screw it up, well, guess what? You missed. But if technologically something goes down or whatever, I think the league is going to let them have a little extra time without making a big deal about it. But I just think the teams that are, are are doing this with confidence, not whining about the fact I didn't get my last time with that player. I didn't get to see him. I didn't get to do that. You go with your report, you go with your tape, you make your de- you make your determinations in your rankings and go. I don't know how you feel about it, Brian, but I think that's where the pitfalls are going to be. An uncertain GM might have some trouble in this one.
2: Teams that are well-led, Charles, I think are going to sail through this thing. And yep. Teams that are, are poorly led, uh, we have seen general managers relieved of their duties as soon as the draft is over. I don't know that that's going to happen. But... Uh, you know, the teams that are not organized, that do not have a, a well-set board, that do not have a great philosophy, uh, those teams will struggle. And we see it every year. And this may very well be the year that that, it you know, it gets uh, really pronounced a little bit more than normal. So I think that is going to take place. Charles, the let's just get into this here, because um, the quarterbacks always drive these drafts, Charles. And you've been at this thing a long time. And I, and I think these quarterbacks are going to drive it again, starting at the very top with Joe Burrow, who was nothing short of Robert Redford in the natural this year at LSU and what he did uh, and how he did it with Joe Brady as the new offense coordinator. So why don't you just handicap the quarterbacks here, uh, Charles, and how you kind of see them falling right now? Because there is big questions about Tua and his physical statue at this point.
3: Well, we'll find out who really likes him. Where we're going to find out in a hurry, because if there's if there's a flurry at picks two and three and probably starting at three about Detroit and making a move there, then we'll know about if they're coming up to get two or not. If someone's really right. dead, dead set on getting him, because if you just let it stand and Miami's allowed to sit there, I think they can take him at five if indeed he's their guy. Mm-hmm. I sense that he is their guy, that he, they like him better than Herbert, that's the sense I'm getting from when I'm talking to some people don't know that I'm 100% correct, because you know we're, what, nine days out? Right now, everyone is making an ascension up the board, and I I say that tongue-in-cheek, because right Mm -hmm. now, everyone's writing a different article, trying to get a different uh, slant on it, and now, I think you've probably seen the last day or so, all of a sudden, everybody liked Justin Herbert better than anyone, and no one was talking about it. Well, here we go. And the starter pistol has been fired. I still think it's, I still think it's burrow one. I think it's two of two. And then people are going to be, a, I'm not going to say split, but there will be some people that like Jordan Love. How high? I don't know, but I think there will be some people there. And then Herbert's in that one as well. I don't think there's any other quarterback that figures into that, except if I'm going to say a wild card. Sure. If someone's kind of falling in love with Jalen Hurts, could they trade in at 31 32, like, like the Ravens did with Lamar, and get him? Because contract wise, it gives you that extra year, right? Sure. It, 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 with, with that. So that may be, that may come in to play i don't see another quarterback that would be in play there i don't see anyone making that kind of move for jacob eason even though he's got the biggest arm in the draft but there are a whole lot of other questions about it jacob Fromm's right. not going to consider not going to you know figure into the first round i guess four guys and that's it in the first round unless of course the wild card is hurt and even then we might even drop the three just depending on how this whole thing falls but i really think it's going to be four
2: you know the the the, the questions that have been out there, the, really some of the releases that have been about Tua out there, about failing physicals in certain teams, I can see that fear factor growing. Now, you have to be totally comfortable yourself, whether you're Miami or uh, whether you're the Los Angeles uh, Chargers or, you know, whoever is interested in Tua at this point that may either trade up or wait to get them. Uh, they have to answer those things in a in an environment that's very difficult to do if at all possible. So I, I'm I'm curious to see just in this environment here, Charles. What because th- th- these guys all get put through the ringer. They all get sort of stripped of whatever goodness they have by one or two reports. And I I'm waiting to see if he starts dropping, and if he does drop, come next Thursday night because of some reports that are out there right now.
3: And, and you've seen guys drop before non-injury by different yeah. reports, right? We've yeah. seen, I mean, Geno Smith falling into the second round. Now, he didn't play to a level in his career that we're talking about it, other than at the time, we thought he was going to go in the first round. Yep. Right? And he ended up coming back day two. Last year, we had Drew Locke that mm-hmm. we thought was going to be a quarterback taken in the first round. He dropped to day two. Sometimes mm-hmm. it works out. They think he's still going to be their quarterback, and then you go on. Aaron Rodgers, it, it, that was one of the weirdest drafts ever. I wasn't a part of that one, but I look back on it and I say, okay, hold on a second. So mm-hmm. it was Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers at one. One of them didn't go, meaning Rodgers. And he gets all the way to twenty-five. Yeah. How weird is how weird a draft is that? When Brady Quinn was supposed to go to the Dolphins, remember it was almost a lock. He was going to the Dolphins at nine. You remember that one, Baldy? I think we were. Together. Yeah. <laughs> <Well, laughs> Rio City Radio Music Radio. Hall. I've never that explosion that day, and it wasn't a Jets or Giants pick. I will never forget that explosion because when Azel did it, and we had everyone had the cameras trained on Brady and the whole deal. And all of a sudden, you heard Ted Ginn, Jr., Ohio State. That place was like, whoa. Yeah. And remember Brady? <laughs> they caught him on, on tape. And I feel so yeah. bad for him because I wasn't good enough to be in that position. But he's sitting there, and I remember him mouthing the words, now that's a surprise <laughs> because wow. no one saw that part coming. <laughs> and he ended up last into, what, 22 with Cleveland. So we, we never know. We're not even talking about a guy with a hip injury, a bad yeah. hip injury. We're not talking about yeah. a guy with two bad ankles. We're yeah. talking about a guy who was perfectly healthy, and and remember, Brady Quinn was a brood in the weight room.
2: Yeah. Well, the, the irony with that whole Aaron Rodgers situation and Alex Smith was Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator to of the 49ers, and you know the irony is he ended up you know coaching him obviously for a, a big part of his career here and now down in Dallas. So. The, 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 the position here, Charles, that looks like it's as deep as we have seen, and maybe you can uh, shed some light on it, is this wide receiver draft. Uh, I don't know that anybody has a real firm sense on how to rank C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and Justin Jefferson and, and how they might fall, but you've been at this a long time. Uh, I've gone back and looking at a number of drafts. The 2014 drafts had Sammy Watkins and O. Odell Beckham Jr. and Devontae Adams and Brandon Cooks. It was pretty good wide receiver draft. How deep is this, Charles, and how good is this draft at wide receiver?
3: It's as deep a draft, Baldy, as we've seen in pick your number of years yeah. in terms of that position. Do we have a Julio Jones in this draft? I don't know. Yeah. I think we've got a lot of really good players i don't know that any of them would be rated higher than julio was coming out so my point being that dominant bell cow receiver well any of these guys could very well be but would they've been rated as highly as julio coming i don't think so but still cd lamb judy rugs justin jefferson as you mentioned then as we get down later in the first round we've probably all seen the mock drafts that have a number of guys that possibly could go. Are we mm-hmm. talking T Higgins at Clemson? Are we talking Brandon mm-hmm. Ayuk at Arizona State? LaVisca yeah. Chenault at Colorado, right? And so we're into more and more of these guys that potentially are sec, you know, first, second type, uh, first, second round type guys. And then it just keeps going. You know yeah. where do you get Denzel Mims at at, at, at Baylor? He was a big time yeah. player, right. right?
2: KJ Hamler, right?
3: K, right, and, and all these guys. That some some people might have a first round grade. On. Do you have? Do they have a first round grade uh, grade on Jalen Rager? from TCU, who's a flat-out dart and can flat-out fly and can yeah. return kicks for you. So it just goes on and on. And I just think, like, a guy like Omar what was the kid out of Arkansas State, Omar Bayless, or Blacklock. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy what you're seeing in terms of numbers, what they do. They might be third-round picks. James Prochet out of SMU, yeah. all he does is catch first downs, right? You've had him, Baldy. All you do is catch yeah. first downs. But he might not yeah. be a third, fourth-round pick guy.
2: And a good route runner, too, with great
3: hands. Oh, great hands. So it's, it is a very, very deep wide receiver group. And that's going to make, for some teams, I think, to make some decisions early. Because in my mind, as you said, the quarterbacks will drive the first round. But the offensive tackles, they'll, there will be a run there. Because there are four, what we think, big-time tackles on the board. So there have to be a run in that and you gotta decide am I more tackle needy or receiver needy? (laughs) Plenty of receivers in the first round. But I think a lot of the tiebreaker might very well be if I need that other position, I may take it now because I think I can get a receiver later.
1: Charles, that that may be one of the things that affects uh, teams thinking in deciding to trade up, trade back. And in a normal draft, those things are are commonplace, right? Uh, In this draft, it may not be. Do you expect to see less movement within the draft because of maybe the cumbersome nature of this? I think possibly
3: I don't know that the nature of the draft is going to keep people from making the trades because you can still do it. They're still going to be the league guy. And, you know, what's funny about it? When all else fails, landlines still still prevail. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I mean, I think you've seen the story. It wasn't it Chris Ballard who said he didn't have a landline in his house. They never had one or they haven't had one. No. He, had, he no. had to have one installed for this draft. Right. OK, so when all else fails, we can still <laughs> ring it in like it's 1960. All right, and they can still make that call. I don't know that that's going to be the issue as much as what's my confidence in trading for a player that if my reports aren't as complete as i like them to be, do I take a chance on that guy, or do I go ahead and try and hit that single that I think I'm going to get by a kid I've got three years of tape on? That might be the, that might be the tiebreaker for a lot of GMs in this one. I, I think I saw Dave Gettleman, the uh, GM for the Giants, say, Yeah, medical risks, (laughs) not going to be like we had in the past. So if you got some medical up there that he's not comfortable with, he may very well just bypass that in this draft because they haven't had enough time to test it themselves with their own doctors.
2: It's a real concern, uh, Charles. I want to go to these offensive tackles because if you're the Giants, if you're the Jets, the Dolphins, you're probably all looking for one of these Giants here to anchor your offensive line. You said there was four, Charles, so that's, Makai Becton, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, and Andrew Thomas—they all, uh, in their own way, look like they could be elite players. I—I I, could nitpick a little bit about some technical issues that need to be worked on for all these guys. I don't think any of them are finished products. But would you care to to rank them, Charles, the way that you see these guys right now?
3: Well. <laughs> I, you know, I fell in love with Beckton in Louisville and then his yeah. athleticism really wowed me because, you know, Dave Gettleman, I've known since I was in high school and he has a, you know, he's, he loves those big guys. Yeah. He, he Nobody told me all the time in high school, from the time I've known him in high school, you know, he'd always say, Charles, it's always going to be a big man's game. Yeah. And, to, and when you when you hear that over and over out of a man, you say to yourself, sitting there at four, protecting Daniel Jones, is that Mackay Becton? Well, mm-hmm. maybe not, because Tristan Wirfs is not small, right. and he was as as, as, let, as athletic as we've seen in a long time, but he's played right tackle. So you're saying, okay, I'm going to bring him over and make him a left tackle. Jedrick Wills from Alabama has been a right tackle. So you've noticed their coaches have been saying, oh, don't worry about it. He can play left tackle ball. We just played him right ball. Okay, that's fine, but it's still a projection, okay? Go put that
2: fork in your your left hand and go eat your dinner. Right.
3: See how that works for you. Because you can yeah. tell everyone, Brian, what it's like doing that. Everyone thinks in the middle of a ball game, a guy gets hurt, another guy comes in, and one guy swings from one side to the other, that it's just it's seamless. It's not seamless. That's a lot of work, a lot of thinking. There's usually usually guys are more comfortable one side or the other trying to make that work. And then Andrew Thomas. Is is a guy that I think began this process, maybe the top of the board yeah. and may have gone down to the fourth guy, depending on how teams look at it. So I, I'm excited about how that's going to go. But to me, the first tackle off the board, the first time we're considering it starts at four with the Giants. We're going to find out which way we want to go, because I think the Giants will have a decision between that tackle to protect the quarterback, that they had such a kerfluffle about drafting last year, and also Isaiah Simmons from Clemson could very well still be on the board. And if I'm not mistaken, Brian, you played in the league double-digit years. Isn't the New York Giants' DNA, franchise DNA on the defensive side of the ball?
2: Well, I mean, I, I, I had to go up against a guy named LT for a long time in
3: college and <laughs> in the
2: NFL. And you just, I mean, you go back to the Giants in the 50s and the Giants with Parcells and LT in the 80s. And you just keep going to Strahan. And the, their Hall of Fame players, in large part, have been on that side of the ball. And, you know, I mean, they they need that type of marquee player, but they have to get this offensive line fixed once and for all. Eli, the only guy that could have played and started as many games as he did for the long time was was Eli. I mean, he just didn't get hurt, but nobody else could have survived. And now Daniel Jones does not need to go through what he went through last year. And I think – I think Makai Beckton, he, 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 going around him right now, Charles is like orbiting the sun. It's just, <laughs> it's just a long, long ways around him, and nobody goes through him. And I think he's only 20 years old. Like, I can just imagine, and I don't know him, Charles. So, like, that's a big part of it. I don't know how yeah. hungry he is, work ethic. I mean, that's the thing that right. you got to find out about these guys by talking to the trainers and the assistant coaches and, and all that stuff. But if he wants to be great, you haven't seen a guy like this in a long, long time come into this league. And uh, no. well, you could just say he's already a left tackle. He's shown a lot there at Louisville uh, since he was an 18-year-old freshman. By golly, man, let's coach him up. Let's put him there. Let's give him a big jersey. And let's let, yeah. him, get, let's, let him start that position right now.
3: And, and take care of that quarterback that they put the draft capital in last year and endured every sling and arrow from the moment his name was announced. Because you guys know what the, the newspapers were saying in New York. And, you know, right, the Post the and Daily News, it was just brutal as as we might expect. And by the end of the year, no one saw it as a brutal pick. People saw it as a very good pick. He's got some things to clean up. He's got to take care of the ball in the pocket better. He yeah. can't get jostled as much as he did. But the potential is there, and now you're seeing it. And, and it. and it reminded me of something Dave Gettleman told me last year. Yeah, everyone was on me about that. But I had to have a quarterback. I had to get restarted, and I needed an adult. And yep. and that's what he said. That's what he felt about Daniel Jones as opposed to other quarterbacks. And I think mm-hmm. he pro- has proven to be the right choice for the Giants.
1: Probably only maybe one running back going to go in the first round this year. But one position that seems well represented in a lot of the mock drafts is linebacker. It's a position in the NFL which maybe isn't uh, – deemed as uh, essential as it once was in this league. But this is a pretty rich linebacker draft. So starting with Simmons early in this first round, he could top 10 pick. What, do you, what are you looking at with the, uh, the, the linebacker position?
3: Yeah, I think what you're talking about is Simmons from Clemson. You're talking about Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, Patrick Queen mm-hmm. from LSU. There's been some love for Zach Bond from Wisconsin to possibly mm-hmm. get into the first round. And they're all a little bit different shape or forms. You know, Simmons is your ultimate chess piece. Use him all over the place. I think he's a will linebacker an outside linebacker, kind of like a Thomas Davis coming out of Georgia, who was a safety first. And then you can use him a little bit. Shaq Thompson, who's also with Carolina. They seem to accumulate those types of players. But I think that's what he is. He's the most versatile guy there. To me, he plays like Derwin James, you know, even though James is a safety, the way they're utilized all over the place, that's a, sim- that's a similar call for me. Queen and Murray are both run and hit guys, sideline to sideline, can rush the passer a little bit, but their speed is overwhelming, which is not surprising because think about those LSU linebackers that Queen is coming after, right? The Quan Mm -hmm. Alexanders, the Deion Joneses, you know, those sort of guys. Devin White coming out last year. They got a pretty good tradition going now. And then when you look at Murray from Oklahoma, his ability to run, find the ball, make plays, you know, get into the passing lanes a little bit. Plus, you were talking about Baldy. Do we know these kids? Well, if his backstory is any indication, you're getting a really responsible, mature kid who's there to go to work. And that's a big part of what's going on. So, yeah, there'll be a bunch of those backers. The wild card's going to be, and I don't think he's going to get into the first round now because he got hurt and we didn't see him much in the postseason. That's Akeem uh, Davis-Gaither out out of Appalachian State who can flat out fly but he's as small linebacker as you're going to get. I mean, he has truly strong safety size. But if they think they can put some weight on him, and I've heard some, you know, a couple of scouts told me they're a little skeptical. They think his frame's a little slender. But I don't know about you, Baldy, but every time I turned on the tape, number 24 was was wrapped around ball carriers. I mean, the entire mm-hmm. ball game. So so that's part ball of player. what we have now. He's yeah. a football player. Find ball, you know, see ball, find ball, go make the play. So so we're gonna have plenty of those that go. You mentioned the running backs. There may only be one in the first round. Someone may grab one late. Kansas City could fool us at 32 if indeed they stay there. Yeah. But but I think the run on them starts in the second round. And mm-hmm. they're punch they're a bunch of really good players. And now people got to decide, is Jonathan Taylor's odometer too heavy? from college, three straight years, touches, Charles, a touches right? is a bunch of touches. Yeah, That's a lot of touches. He wowed us at the combine. People forget he was a high school sprinter, but how many touches mm-hmm. again, Baldy? A thousand, a thousand and he thousand ran 2,000 yards, catching, Charles. yeah. And, 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 oh, by the way, those are some tough yards in the big 10 now. Okay. So there's a lot that goes along with that. Are you feeling it for cam makers that the idea that his team just was really horrendous, but he was a good player who didn't get to show his wares, right? J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, another guy with great production. Odomner not quite as big, not even close to as big as Jonathan Taylor's. And then, of course, DeAndre Swift from Georgia, I think, really benefited from that. I I think I saw in his last two years, I don't know that he had 300 carries, you know, 300-something carries. So his odometer is really low, which is a good thing coming into the league because he had to sit behind some guys who are pretty good in the league right now. So those are the top guys. But then you're going to have some guys like a Darrington Evans, who I just love out of Appalachian State. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be a mid-round guy who's going to be a dart and going to be a player. He kind of reminds me a little bit of, I think he'll go in the third or fourth round and be a player like Kareem Hunt was when we drafted him, when he got drafted by Andy Reid coming out a third, fourth round out of uh, Toledo. Third so that's the, t- that's the type of thing we're talking about. I hope I got this because either Toledo or Akron, I can't remember which, but you know, yeah, so those are is, the things we're talking Toledo. about. Yeah. It's Toledo. Thank you. How about so, Clyde so, so that kind of production oh, Where
2: are you at yeah. with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? I mean, he's a dynamic oh. player dual-back offense yep. sets that these teams are in, I mean, he yep. might be the best of all of them right now.
3: He And, and you know, Baldy, I think that he's going to get compared and has been compared with Darren Sproles. He gets compared with Maurice Jones-Drew because it's a height comparison. Right. I don't think he's either one of those guys. I think he's a very good football player. I think he's a little more of his own person. And that LSU Bama game that was so great last year and Joe Burrow was terrific in him and all that other good stuff. I still think Clyde Edwards hilaire was the, the difference in the ball game. Remember that third and ten late guys where they swung it out yeah. to him and he went through how many Bama guys and picked up a first down. On a first down, Bama mm-hmm. couldn't afford to give up. And then late in the ball game, they've got their timeouts but they've got to stop them from running the ball. And he runs it inside and runs through about six people and picks up a first down and there's your ball game. He's that type of a player. And I think he's a three down guy. I don't think he's one of those change up guys. I think he's a three down guy, give him the football. And again, he's another one whose odometer is pretty low because he's really a one year starter.
2: Charles, the one position in this draft that looks to be deep In dynamic on the defensive side of the ball is that defensive tackle, starting with Derrick Brown, Kinlaw, Blacklock, uh, Matabuike. I mean, there's a bunch of them there, but how do you look at that position? Because there are some people that still believe that, man, when you can push the pocket, and Drew Brees, and Tom Brady, and these guys can't step up, that that is almost more valuable then guys that can scream off the edge like Chase Young.
3: Listen, we saw it in Super Bowls. Look, Seattle was giving New England all they wanted and then some. Mm-hmm. And who got, wasn't it Avril? Was it Cliff Avril? got hurt? Somebody they were swinging inside got hurt. And now yeah. things changed. Cause they were just pushing the pocket in Tom Brady's face and he was struggling to find room to throw the ball. We see it all the time, you know, and as, and as we were accepting the smaller quarterback in the league and hallelujah, cause we're seeing a lot of playmakers. Well, you're trying to use the edges now to just keep them hemmed in. And if you've got that big push inside, now you truly are obstructing view for them because now they've got no place to go. That's what you're trying mm-hmm. to get done. And you see, I think that in this draft, there are a couple of those guys listed at defensive end that I think are going to make their money moving inside. I think that they're going to mm-hmm. be at their best there. To me, that's Marlon Davidson from Auburn. Sure. I, I think I think that's A.J. Epinesa from, from, from Iowa. Big power rusher off the edge. But I think that when you get into the sub packages, if he can go inside, use the power and a little bit more of that speed, I think that might be more where he's going. So this is a draft to me that's bereft of edge guys mm-hmm. and loaded more with the guys you talked about on the inside.
1: Hey Charles, do you do you have a, a bold prediction for that first round next week? Some team that's gonna make a huge move up, who's gonna grab a guy like Chase Young or you know, get a real good value there if if these quarterbacks really move up the board? Do you have a good value proposition or or a big bold move you, you kinda feel like it's gonna happen?
3: You know what's weird for me is we keep getting told by New Orleans that Taysom Hill is their future. Right and Drew's gonna play hmm. this year and Taysom's gonna play. Okay. Hey, look, I all right. That's fine. I still need to understand, okay? And if no one has to answer the question because Teddy Bridgewater went five and zero. Oh, but if if you're telling me that he's Drew, that, that he is Steve Young, Taysom Hill, which is what Sean Payton has told all of us, right, Baldy? He is yes. Steve Young. Why did Steve Young not play quarterback last year when the opportunity arose? I, I you know, so so so, so 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 I'm just, you know, I understand that because. The answer with a lot of people would say as well, you know, he's such a uh, you know, gadget guy drew, you know, Sean didn't want to lose that. Oh, okay. But here's the, here's the thing. When Teddy became the number one quarterback, Taysom couldn't do all the things he did before because you couldn't get your two hurt. So Sean didn't play him on all those special teams. He didn't do all the things he did before. So that'll be the interesting one to me. What if new Orleans gets that wild hair? Like they did last year. Remember last year? when they moved up and got Davenport or two years ago, and they moved up and got Davenport in the defensive end? Yeah. You remember when they made that move, guys? Did we not think they were coming to get a quarterback? We did. I mean,
2: the year before that, I mean, they were right in play, and that's why Kansas City jumped all the way up in front of them to take Patrick Mahomes because they were sitting there just dying to take Patrick Mahomes three years ago. And and, and they still haven't, obviously, I mean, you can say what you want about Taysom Hill, but if they feel like one of these guys – and I don't know that any of them uh, could ever be Patrick Mahomes in this, in this draft. But, if, but you know, Sean Payton looks at these guys a little bit different than any of us do. If he feels like one of these guys could be his starter for the future, I, I mean, to what you're hinting at here, Charles, that could be a, a huge wild card.
3: I'm watching, and I'll just throw it at you this way. What if Sean does believe that Tua is a left-handed Drew Brees, okay. and he feels okay with the, with the medical? That's what I'm saying. That's where, you know, you guys are wondering what the big move is. That's the one I'm throwing out there. As usual, I'm throwing a dart up against the board. Sean may hear this and call me up and go, are you out of your mind? I just beat COVID-19. And you're trying to tell me I'm not going to play Taysom Hill? Well, he may, that may very well be the case. But I do think it's a legitimate question, and I don't think he could get mad at me for saying, well, you could have played him last year. He chose Teddy. You keep telling me he's Steve Young. Why would not Why would you not play Steve Young? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I, I think
2: there's, there, there's two – I know uh, you're – time-wise here, Charles, we're going to um, let you get back to your family life and business here. But I have a couple, couple – other questions here. The New England Patriots are sitting there with Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer on the roster right now after letting the GOAT uh, walk here to, uh, to Tampa Bay. What do you think the future at that position is in New England right now, Charles? And is there anybody here um, that might fit uh, into the future plans of the Patriots at that position?
3: If we get the slide, I'm not even talking about Tua now. I'm talking about Herbert mm-hmm. and Love. If we get the slide, do they like either one of them? Where okay. where Bill Belichick would be comfortable enough to make a little bit of a move from 23? But we've never seen it, and he's already thrown out the balloon. Yeah, and I know you guys saw this. Matt Castle told us that we can survive. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, because they, they they went 11 and five that year and somehow didn't make the playoffs in one of those unusual years. OK, so if you have that confidence in Stidham, you think Hoyer's there to, to be the steadying hand. I just don't believe that they stand totally pat there. But I also don't believe that Cam would would be a New England Patriot. Yeah. I would actually see Jameis being more of a New England Patriot. Mm-hmm. That Bill could say, I'll fix him. You, you great quarterback whispers couldn't do it. I'll give it a try. Young kid. The, look, we can say whatever you want about Jameis. Baldi, you know him well. Does the kid not work extremely hard? He wants wants to to be great. He just doesn't know how to help himself sometimes with some of the plays he makes. But he's the first in the building, last one at night. He's what you're looking for. People like mm-hmm. playing with him and for him. That part's not an issue. He wouldn't be a distraction in New England. He wouldn't be a problem at all. In fact, that yeah. could be a payoff for them. And it might be something like that rather than them go draft one of these rookies.
2: And then the, the second one here for you, Charles, is the Miami Dolphins have five picks in the top 56 selections. Chris Greer is running the draft. You know him well. You know uh, Ryan Flores down there. Are they content to sit there and take five pretty good players and keep building it with young players and coaching them up? Because we saw a team that went from look like they were tanking last year for the first half of the season, Charles, to a team that clearly improved under some pretty good coaching last year at almost every position. What do you think the Dolphins are thinking right now?
3: think that they would not mind bundling together and even moving out of some of those picks to get more guys because you know that that roster needs players everywhere I don't think that would bother them but I truly also don't believe that they can go back to their fan base and not take a big swing at a quarterback yeah I just don't I just don't believe they can pull it off even if for whatever reason they're not they better take a swing at at a quarterback could you imagine us on day two And the Dolphins took three picks in the first round and none of them were quarterbacks. Yeah, right. no. Nah, 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 nah. they've got to take a swing somewhere. So I don't know if that means using a couple of those first round picks or bundling some of the other picks that you mentioned in the draft to try and try and make a move and get someone. I don't know about that part. I don't know if they feel like if I don't get Tua, I can take Justin Herbert and be just as happy or Jordan Love and be just as happy. But I think that quarterback pick has to happen at five or above. Otherwise, it's not going to, ha- you know, yeah. <laughs> all, all heck's going to break loose. They can fill the other needs as as time goes on. I just cannot imagine that press conference for that poor first-round pick, and it's not a quarterback in that group in Miami.
2: One, nobody has more nuggets on day three, Charles, than you. Uh, When you're just, you know, filling time and you're at pick 198, and Charles Davis busts something out that making a comparison to center fielder for the New York Giants, you know, San Francisco Giants, whatever it is, I need one nugget from you, Charles, and none of us do this analysis over months and months and months and not come away with a favorite player. Can you give me a nugget, Charles, and can you give me a favorite player nine days before this draft?
3: I, I'm gonna take it out of the first round, my favorite, and it's a corner who I think is gonna be a slot corner out of Louisiana Tech, and I think you know I'm talking about, Meek Robertson. I love him. Absolutely love him because he's a ball hawk. And my quick comparison is Kevin Byard came out of middle Tennessee state. Doesn't get invited to the combine has 19 picks in his career. Sure what does he do in the NFL? He's a ball hawk in the yeah, NFL as well. That. Right. Remember last year, Washington took a corner in the seventh round out of James Madison and Jimmy Moreland, 16 yep. or 17 picks in his college career. By the time they benched um, uh, Norman, Josh Norman. Not Josh Norman. Nor- Moreland ended up taking up a lot of that slack. I'm big on ball hogs. Meek Robertson's yeah. 14 picks, 48 48 uh, pass breakups in three years there. He's been coached in college by a 10 year NFL veteran corner, Justin Burris. Remember him? Former first round sure pick, with, with, I believe, yeah. with Indianapolis, Indiana. not in Notre Dame. This kid's been trained like a pro the entire time he's been in Ruston, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. I think that one's going to be fun. He was an
2: offensive player in high school.
3: Hey, hey, there's a lot of players that look LSU loads up on Louisiana kids. They're not going elsewhere to get their get their players now. They get them in Louisiana and then they they support from there. But this kid, trained by a pro, thinks like a pro, acts like one in a lot of ways in how he goes about his business and how he goes about practicing. That's one of that's one of the guys that I would keep a really strong eye on because I think he's a second, third round guy. And I think he's going to play a lot in the NFL because of his ball hawking ability.
2: Yeah. I, I think, Charles, that uh, when, I, when I studied him, I mean, I think he had, gosh, did he? I, I think he had the four interceptions. Like, he had, uh, what do you have? He had 14 total interceptions, right, Charles? 14 for his career, 14 over and three quarter, years. I think, I think three or four of them went for touchdowns.
3: Yes, yeah, so he takes them the other way, and forty-eight pass breakups in three years. And you want and to watch a fun, watch a fun, well. yeah, watch a fun tape. quiz Watkins is a, an underrated receiver out of Southern Miss who can play, one of the better ones in in their in their conference. And watch a Meek Robertson go get it. That's a fun one.
2: One nugget, Charles. One nugget, and we'll wish you well. Keep you safe, and uh, we'll we'll look forward to the draft. Give me give me one Charles Davis nugget that we all can chew on here.
3: Put me on the spot. Okay, one one of those nuggets. God Almighty, I'm really blanking here big time. Uh, you, uh, uh, sometimes it has to be uh, triggered when uh, you're sitting around uh, on that desk. <laughs> well, I'll put I'll put it to you this way. I don't have the one nugget, but I will say this. This will be a draft where we have a number of kids. Like we always have kids who come out of adversity. But this draft, when you think of a Yatour Gross Matos with his brother yeah. getting hit by lightning and another brother that drowned, right? When you talk about, when you talk about, um, um, who's the other, uh, LaVisca Chennault, whose father yeah. was, I think, changing a tire. And got and got killed. You know, we've got stories like this up and down the board. You know, we talk about Kenneth Murray, whose family adopted three disabled, you know, you know disabled children because they didn't want to break them up as a family. And 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 the, at 10 years old the kid tells the old man, "Hey, if anything ever happens to you and mom, I got 'em. Don't you worry about it." I'm 10. And to this day, yes. he is their guy. You know, we have more stories like this going along. It's going to be that type of a draft where you're going to feel like, "Oh my goodness, this yes. keeps happening." And I think we have a lot of maturity in this draft that may have mm-hmm. to be that may have to come to the front because we didn't get to do everything we talked about in terms of, you know, talking to kids and getting all the all the evaluations and the 40s and all that other stuff. You know, I we saw a lot of these kids have their own pro day and then send the tapes into the team because the teams couldn't tape them because right. you couldn't be there. So they're doing off their iPhones. Now, some of them had some questionable watches like like Grant Delphin <laughs> ran a 439. A lot of four threes nine. So, out there, Charles. <laughs> whoo, I mean, we I saw somebody had a 428 and I was like, okay, so yeah. I'm not so sure about the stopwatch, but I give them an A for <laughs> effort for going out and trying to do their stuff.
1: Some really swift editing perhaps on uh, some of those uh, pro day films. Uh, hey, Charles, we appreciate it. We're looking forward to the draft next week. Thanks for doing this. And uh, we are like you, we're waiting for football season. We can't wait for it to turn.
3: All are. And we certainly hope everyone's able to stay safe until then. And I think all these words at the top, were just absolutely perfect about what it's going to be like. Cause I focus on the positive too. What it's going to be like when we get back to it, it's going to be a heck of a time. And we're going to actually like who sit next to us in the stands during that time frame. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Charles, th- th- thanks very much for your time. Thanks, and, guys. Uh, Stay best safe. of luck. Stay safe, and uh, look forward to uh, to hearing you next week sometime.
3: All right, I look forward to it too. You guys be good.
1: Thanks for everything. Oh, Baldy, he's a great guy, isn't he?
2: Well, you know, first of all, Charles is unbelievable, unbelievably gracious with his time, and then when you factor in the knowledge, the information, and you know just the type of person he is. I mean, he's uh, there's nothing that Charles Davis can't Really add some real good insight and in life to whatever he decides to do. So, I, I felt like we learned a lot here today from Charles, and like you always do, you know. I mean, the guy's just—he just knows how to—he just knows how to get information in a really kind of a, you know, professional gentlemanly way.
1: Yeah. And the other thing too, I love the story that he always tells about his kids finally thought he was cool when he was on the Madden football game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a great that's story. When, that's when he
2: got real street
1: cred inside the Davis family. Yeah, no doubt about it. Coming up on episode eight, by the way, of Baldy's breakdowns, another expert's going to join us. That is you, Brian Baldinger. We're going to do Baldy's breakdowns on all these positions. We're going to get you set for the NFL draft because it's, getting closer and closer it is just about upon us draft week is here so uh, that'll be on episode eight but everybody thanks for listening stay healthy baldy you stay healthy as well um and uh you know we're thinking about everybody all the first responders and yeah. all the the medical professionals and people on the front lines of this COVID 19 battle boy they are massive heroes and we all uh, appreciate the work that they're doing
2: we like to recognize the heroes here, Jason, on this podcast and around the NFL, and they will they will be recognized. There will be uh, a ton of money raised during this draft to help out those that are needy at this point. And we wish everybody and their loved ones the best of health and safety here during this uh, really challenging period
1: that we're all going through. Well said, Baldy. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back with Episode 8 and a Baldy's Breakdown episode. Have a great day.